Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. I love that you love talking to each other. I love the buzz in the room. So, as many of you know, my Self and my family um, were missionaries for about 20 years before, and uh, we lived by faith. That was the term that was given to the way we lived. I didn't like that term because, do you know what? We all live by faith. Just because we were audacious enough to ask people for money to support what we did and trusted that God would send it and all of that stuff. We live by faith. And in all of that time of travelling around the world, I, don't, I think we were always able to do everything that we felt like God asked us to do. And we never looked at money first. We always looked at what does God want us to do and then we trusted that he would provide what we needed to do, what he'd asked us to do. And our experience was that he did that faithfully, we had times when it was tough, but I don't remember those times. I just remember all the times that God got us and enabled us to do some amazing things for him. But we all live by faith. Because if you have, you know, a regular job with a salary, you're trusting that your company is going to stay in business and keep employing you. You can't control that. If you have your own business then you're trusting that people are going to want to buy your services or your product or whatever it is that your company is doing and you can't force people to come and buy. You can entice them, you can market well, can't you, Sam? You can do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, you can't force them to sign on the dotted line for that monthly subscription. You're trusting that your business is going to keep on coming. We all live by faith. Some of us just aren't consciously aware of that. But even if you're on a salary, you've got to trust that God's going to give you enough and enable that salary to cover all of the things that you need it to do, plus hopefully be a blessing and generous in the process. We all live by faith. And, yeah, we all do that. So I'm predominantly wanting to focus on Matthew chapter 6 today, and particularly one verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's the New Living Translation. The English Standard Version says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which kind of goes Matthew, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And I often feel like this verse is virtually a summary of his entire sermon, of what he, he gives us instructions on how to live righteously, how to pray, how to live God's way. And he gives us instructions on how to put him first. Interestingly, most of the translations use that word but at the beginning of this verse. But... And I don't know about you, but you know the word but kind of cancels out everything that became, came before it, right? And in the Bible, when you see words like therefore and but and because, you should always check out what came 
before, so you can work out what the therefore is therefore, or the but is therefore, or any of those other things. Right? So, yeah, but cancels out. So, like, for example, if somebody says to you, I'm really sorry, but, they don't really mean it, do they? You know? Um, yeah, I'm going to do that, but... Any time you hear a but, you kind of like ignore whatever came before the but. And so we need to have a look at the, what came before this verse in this chapter for there to be that word but in there. But. So let's go back away to the beginning of this section where it starts off with the famous verses about not storing up things on earth that rust and decay and go bad, but rather concentrate on building up things that will last forever in heaven. And then it finishes that section with the verses, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be there. And you all know, some of, some of us have desires. We seek God first, but you can often tell what other people are interested or passionate about by what they spend their money on, right? So I just moved last weekend and I was talking to my neighbour at the end of the day who were very, very graciously was saying, do you need anything? I've got cold drinks if you don't have the fridge on yet and stuff. She was being really sweet. And, in, and then she said to me, and I thought flower power was moving in next door because I have a lot of plants. Now, the people who helped me move those plants aren't actually here in the earlier service. They can tell you they did quite a few trips with a really large pickup truck of plants. And they only took about a third of my plants. I couldn't keep a lot of my plants. I've given a lot of plants away, and there are still plants at that house that I don't know what they're going to do with them, but they're still there because I would have had 150, 200 plants in pots, I think inside, all over the place. I love plants, and I spend money on them. Okay, so that's one of my passions. For the rest of you, for some of you, it might be how much money you spend on your car because you love all things motor sports. Or maybe you're really into a particular kind of sport, like maybe you're into cycling and you've got the latest bike and all the gear and you, you subscribe to these magazines. Where we spend our money tells, stuff, tells people about us. Okay, so we tend to put money into things that we're passionate about. And this chapter is trying to tell us the first thing we should put our money into is God stuff. Where is your heart? Does money reflect that God is first in your life? And then I've always been curious about the, this little section that comes in next because I've never thought it had much to do with money. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And as I was doing some more research about that, I discovered something interesting, and it made more sense to me as to why this is in, the, in this thing about lights in there with money. The original language, the, light, the words for light and darkness, light is a word that also means generosity. And darkness is also a word that means stingy. 
And so it's in there because it's telling you if you are full of generosity, then you're full of light. And if you're stingy, then darkness. And so it made more sense to me why it's in there, followed up with these famous verses. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, the thing about money is, money is a tool, okay? Just like a, this microphone headset thing is a tool, so I can be preaching the gospel through this tool, or I could be tearing you down and swearing my head off at you and using it for all kinds of bad purposes. It's just a tool. And money is the same thing. These verses aren't saying that money is bad, they're saying being enslaved to money is bad. And so money is a tool. And this, these verses are encouraging us that we have to have the right heart attitude and have money in its rightful place. And I often think of the picture of a horse and cart. So I'm a horse and the cart is money. It's behind me, I'm pulling it, and I can go to the cart and get stuff out of it and use it. Um, and I also like to think of the fact that God's up on the saddle directing which way I go so that I'm listening to him and he's saying, take that money over there or use that money for that. That the money is behind us and I'm using it to serve God. So I'm not serving money, I'm using money to serve God. That's the right attitude to have about money. We don't serve it. It helps us serve God. It doesn't serve us either. It's to help us serve God. That's the rightful place of money. Continues on in chapter 6 after this, saying, That's why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Yeah, it is. Keeps going. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Worrying about stuff doesn't make things happen. So I don't know about you, but worry never helps anything except make you anxious, upset, uptight, lose sleep, and cause you health problems. Worry does not change anything. But I was reflecting on these um, verses about birds at one, at one point in my life. So it was at a time when we were working with Youth with a Mission. My oldest son, Josh, was two. I didn't have the girls yet. We were at a Youth with a Mission meeting out in a house in Mount Druitt, and Josh was mucking up, a bit like Isla and Esther are at the moment, and I had to take, take him out the back, and they had a trampoline, and he's jumping on the trampoline. And I was contemplating these verses because I'm, I, I imagine, because I never remember, as I said, the financial difficulties, but we must have been a bit tight financially, and I was trying to work out how we were going to do what we needed to do at that time, and I was reflecting on these verses and watching birds. 
because in this backyard there are all these little sparrows jumping around from tree to tree and branch and through the hedges and everything. And I'm thinking, okay, God's feeding these birds, but these birds are not sitting still. They're not sitting on a branch waiting for a grub to crawl up to them so they can eat it. They're not on the ground waiting for the seeds to fall out of the tree so they can eat it. They're not just sitting around doing nothing. They're believing that the food is going to be there and that if they go looking for it, they will find it. And I really felt like God spoke to me and said, it's a partnership between you and I. You don't just sit around doing nothing. You do what I ask you to do and I'll do what I need to do and provide what you need. And so it's a partnership. And God does provide and I've had experiences where it does feel like the money just fell out of a tree and landed in my pocket. But most of the time, I've had to cooperate with God and see where his provision comes from because you don't know. And often I've got to the point where when a challenge comes along, I actually can get a bit excited because I'm like, okay, God, what are you going to do this time? Because I've tested him over and over again and I'm not, and I'm always excited. He always comes up with a wild card and does something that I don't expect often because he's an amazing God. So it's a partnership. We don't just sit around waiting for the money to drop into our laps. We have to, do, we have to do work hard, have integrity in all the things that we do, whether we're volunteering or working. We have a partnership with God. After that, those verses, it has the verses about um, the lilies of the field and how beautifully well they're dressed. For, I'm not, I've skipped those ones for time. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then comes the verse, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Or in the other verses, but. So the but is all of those things beforehand. Don't store up stuff here that's going to get destroyed. Seek the kingdom. Look at what's going to last in heaven. What's going to last in heaven? People. People are what's going to make it to heaven. So invest time, resources and money in people because they can come to heaven with you your flashy car and your house and all those things are going to stay right here. In fact, they're probably just going to get bulldozed into the ground or incinerated when the world's consumed by fire at the end. People aren't, though. People can come with you if they come to Jesus. So that's where we should be putting our money. Live righteously. But I just want to focus for a moment on that word, seek. Because seek, again, implies activeness, partnership. The dictionary, some of the ways the dictionary says to seek is to go in search of, to try and discover, to try to acquire or gain, or make an attempt. It's saying, have a go, try, aim at something, move, go the way towards the kingdom of God. Do your best to go there. It doesn't say you have to reach it, that you have to be perfect or you have to get to a certain thing. It just says, seek, have a go, 
Look and do your best at putting God first and his kingdom and the things that he's concerned about first and do your best to live his way. Because, right, it's active and continuous. For me, it has the idea of a quest or an adventure. It's not boring or tiresome or an obligation. It's actually fun. I have loved seeking the kingdom of God. And I often liken it to a bit like, you know, an Indiana Jones movie, if you're into those. That's kind of showing my generation. I don't know. Somebody could tell me what the modern-day equivalent of an Indiana Jones movie is, a Marvel thing or something probably. But, um, you know, Indiana Jones, he always seems to get a rope just at the right time to jump over the boulder to cross the river to escape the snakes. There's always snakes in the Indiana Jones movies. He... He gets there and he's just in time. And it's like that with God. God's like, have a go. And I'm going to send you the rope at the right time. And there's going to be a bridge. You'll suddenly find a bridge to get across that thing. When you walk through the waters, you'll not be drowned. When you pass through the fire, you'll not be burnt. Seeking the kingdom of God is an adventure. Not easy, because you might have to do some daring things and take some risks. But it is an adventure. It's not boring. Following and pursuing the kingdom of God is not a boring life. It's a wonderful, amazing life. Now, I love the summary of all of this provided by the translation of this verse in the message. So let's read Matthew 6.33 in the message. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. What a great summary of most of what I've been trying to say. And it's interesting, right after that, The chapter finishes with, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Echoing back to at the beginning, before all of this passage, Jesus has taught his disciples to pray using the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. And one of the the things we're asked to pray for in the Lord's Prayer is, give us today our daily bread. We're not asked, in, in that prayer he doesn't say, pray for, you know, a huge investment portfolio, but it's good to have an investment portfolio, not, not bad, but he doesn't pray for, he does, that's not what he says to pray for. He says to pray for your daily needs. And that's why we don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's going to take care of today. And when we get to tomorrow, he'll take care of that day and the next day and the next day. So... We need, this is all about our heart attitude towards money. And I was reminded, I was talking to somebody and praying for somebody after the last service. And I was reminded that 
we have so much emotional baggage attached to money. We were raised with our parents saying certain things about money. We have lots of myths about money that aren't true. We really need to spend time finding out what God says about money because we have our, our world says a lot of rubbish about money and a lot of myths that we need to get rid of and we have a lot of emotional stuff about money. Some of us need to have it. Some of us are scared to have it. Some of us um, don't know what to do with it. We, 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 we think we have no skills with it. doesn't matter. God will show you how to use your money if you listen to him. And if you read his word, you can find out how he can help you get money in its rightful place. Behind, as a tool, remember, money is... We don't seek after money. We use money to seek after God and the things that he wants. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much that uh, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that you promise that as we seek first your kingdom and as we um, attempt to live your ways, that you will give us our daily needs, that you will provide the things that we need for our own lives and also the things that we need to be a blessing to others. And so I pray, Father, that you would pour out financial blessing on the members of our church so that they could be blessings, have more than they need for their daily life and have a lot to pass on to help others. Thank you, Father. Help us to have a right attitude to money and to use it to seek you, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And I've prayed, but I want you to think as you go, are you worrying about anything? Are you trusting God for your needs? Is there an area you need to cooperate with God in to see his provision? Are you, do you need to be like those birds, trusting that he's got it out there for you and you, and you need to go looking for what he's already provided? You don't know. So think about those things as we head into our final worship song. If the prayer team would like to come up, Whatever you've got needs for prayer for, the prayer team's here to pray about absolutely anything. But obviously, if something's triggered, especially by today's message, come and get prayed for about that. There is power in coming for prayer. You can pray on your own in your seat, but there is power in going, you know what, I need some help here. It's being vulnerable with God does something in the spiritual realm. So come for prayer if there's anything that you need it for. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.